What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. It is 9.38 p.m. Central Time, and we're recording this on Wednesday, November 30th, the day after the Mavericks got a 116-113 to victory at home against the Golden State Warriors in a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. It was a must-win game for the Mavericks. Uh, they had lost four straight games coming into this one. Uh, things were not looking good for them. Uh, they were in the midst of their worst losing streak since Luka's rookie year, the worst losing streak of the Jason Kidd coaching era. And so to get a win against a marquee team on national television can't hurt because the Mavericks, you know, will now travel to Detroit tomorrow night in the only game in the National Basketball Association tomorrow night. And hopefully they can continue their winning ways and win consecutive games for the first time in a few weeks. And so we'll talk about this. We'll also talk about their acquisition of Kemba Walker, which came to a surprise of many people, including myself, yesterday morning. Um, And that we'll we'll talk about that and how it affects them. I'm your host, Jay Apaji, joined alongside here by Rohan. What's up, man? What's up? Chilling. I'm not I'm not super angry on one of these, which is good. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a podcast after a win, has it not? Yeah, I don't know if we've done one this season. And if we have, I think it was still a very critical episode. I think this is probably one of the less critical episodes that we're going to have, which is nice. It's a nice feeling. It's a great feeling um, because I think the Mavericks hadn't gotten a win since... It's been 10 days, I think, since their last win, which was against the Denver Nuggets at home. Uh, in which they got that blowout win uh, with the Nuggets not having Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic. Game, I believe. No, right. Luca played that game. Um, okay. Yeah, the Mavericks won by a lot, which was their biggest win of the season, I think, maybe besides the Memphis game. Uh, but then after that, they lost to the Nuggets again um, in that weird game where they had to replay the final possession of the second quarter uh, where Vladko Chanchar hit that half-court shot. And the Mavericks suffered a pretty bad uh, loss in that game. And that was the last episode that we recorded the day after that. So uh, all in all, it's been a really long time since we've done a podcast after a win and no better team to get a win against than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, it it was a little bit of revenge for obviously them beating the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals last year, Uh, as well as Luka always plays up to these matchups. I think if you look through his career, the games against Steph when they play head-to-head are very, very big for him. And I think he even said afterwards that he has learned a lot from watching Steph on the court. So I I think we definitely got, not just from him, but from everybody on the court, basically, uh, a lot more intensity. uh, And the team definitely played up to their opponents. Yeah, no, that's a good point that you make. I mean, Luka has gotten up for these games against the Warriors historically. I mean, uh, if you just look at kind of the numbers in his career, like he's averaged 30.2 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, and 7.4 assists a game in 15 career games against the Warriors. Shout out to Stad Muse for that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, there's been several instances in his career against the Warriors in which he's gone off. I mean, last night was no exception where he uh, had a 40-point triple-double. He had 41 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds, and four steals in that game just a historic performance from Luca, and if you recall, uh, three seasons ago he also had the fastest 
30-point triple-double in NBA history, which he did in three quarters. So for whatever reason, maybe it's the fact that it's Steph, maybe it's the fact that it's the Golden State Warriors who have been pretty much the gold standard of the league for the last decade or so. Luka really enjoys these matchups, um, and it's always a treat to watch him play against the Warriors. It really is, especially this year when he's done a lot more work in the post. I mean, he's been doing that for the last two years, I guess, getting more involved in the post and uh, developing that skill set even more than he already had it. But especially, we saw it a lot in this game, like just on the mismatch, whenever he got Curry on him or a smaller guy, um, just always a weapon. And I think I saw a statistic recently that he's like 1.25 points per possession in the post, which is insane for somebody in this league. And against a team like the Warriors, where they have wings that are very, very good defenders, it's even more impressive. I mean, he he had three or four highlight moments last night. Um, so he always comes out to play. Yeah, I think the moment that sticks out for me is where he got that steal and then pulled up for three in transition. I, I don't know if that ended up becoming changed to a three because I know they originally two. ruled it a two. It was a yeah. two. Yeah, his toenail was just on the line. But that was a heat check shot. Um, and I'm it surprised was. it went it in. But it was a really high moment. And I was at the game too, so... This was a really like good game to be there in person uh, because to see like Luca and Steph go at it, especially in the second half, was something really special to watch. That's right. I forgot you were at the game. Um, yeah, uh, I think right after that, Steph hit that crazy corner three, um, and then I think about four minutes ago in the fourth, Luca makes this great. I think this is probably my favorite Luca moment of the game. Uh, and it's a little biased because I love Luca's playmaking and his passing so much. But uh, he he gets, I think he's on the right wing and he gets the pass off between two defenders of the Warriors to Josh Green on the other corner for a three. That was, that was big. Uh, that was a really big moment and it was a crazy highlight play. So yeah, all around great game from the Mavericks last night. Not only Luca, I mean, you also have to give credit to Tim Hardaway Jr., who Reggie Bullock, I believe, was taken off the bench last night, correct? Yeah, Reggie Bullock um, came off the bench last night. Tim Hardaway Jr. started in his place, and he responded to the challenge in a big way. He had 22 points on 50% from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, so... Uh, he was a plus 19 in the game as well. So that was huge for him. Um, I'm glad to see him have a good game because he's struggled a lot this season. But uh, I think we all know how important he is to this team and how important it is for him to play uh, to the standard that we had seen him play, uh, you know, from about 2019 to 2021 under Carlisle. Absolutely. I mean, you you saw it a lot in this game. Defenders like Jordan Poole, when closing out on him, gave him much less attention because he hasn't been shooting well um so at this point he's he's in a prime opportunity to take advantage of this role um i also want to give credit to josh green because tim hardaway jr made a lot of shots last night and he was very effective but he also had stretches where i was frankly afraid that he was going to go back to just missing a ton of shots and just taking a lot of volume jumpers in the third. Uh, I would say 
I believe that was in the second quarter, but I could be mistaken and it could be the third. Um, Josh Green tonight to pivot towards uh, not just offense, but on the defensive end, always active, but you can see that he's being trusted more in whatever role he's being given. And that trust, even when it ends up in a turnover like that Jordan Poole steal uh, in the fourth quarter, that is maybe the lone blunder of over the course of a maybe 16 minute stretch in the second half where, and I might be overestimating the minutes there where he was allowed to dribble the ball up a lot next to Luca, or he was given, he was given more responsibility, which is kind of what I've wanted for a little bit. We're getting to see a lot more of his quick decision-making and his athleticism faring into those things. And I think he and Tim looked really good together as well. I'm glad you mentioned the trust factor because absolutely. I mean, we saw it last night, like he was trusted, especially in the second half to bring the ball up the court. And, you know, he did have his rough moments doing that, but overall I thought that uh, it was a step in the right direction for him. Of course, he looks a lot more confident shooting again. He was three for five from three um, finished with 13 points in the game defensively was all over the place. And he had that, Really nice 360 pass on the baseline and drive to Davis Bertans in the corner, who, by the way, shout out to Davis Bertans, who hit both of his threes yesterday. Uh, that was huge. Uh, and so, I mean, you could just see Josh Green, like, he's he's feeling it now. I mean, and if you look at the minutes distribution of the Mavs' wings last night, uh, the trust was absolutely there. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith played 29 minutes. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. played 31 minutes. You kind of expect that because they're starters. Uh, but then you look at Josh Green, he's right up there with those guys, 27 minutes in the game. And Reggie Bullock only played 14 minutes, uh, which I think is fitting because he's struggling a lot. He was 0 for 3 from the field, uh, was scoreless in the game. So I'm glad that Jason Kidd rolled with the hot hand when it came to offense yesterday and played Josh Green, you know, his share of minutes alongside Tim Hardaway Jr., and of course, Dorian Finney-Smith is going to be relied upon regardless because of just how important he is to the defense. Yeah, uh, I will say Reggie is probably the one major like critic. I can't really say much positive about him, obviously, from last night's game. Um, he, he still was a net negative on defense from what I saw as well, so that doesn't help. Um, but Josh stepping into that to that bench wing role has has that has really helped um and we see how much dynamism it, it brings it it brings to the table um christian wood was also surprisingly good on defense last night i have to give him credit because i know i've been very critical of him throughout the course of the year but uh i know he had that uh he had that close out on curry that was a little bit ill-advised but i actually liked the energy like he realized that he wasn't on curry to stop the shot and so he closed out hard. And was there a consequence to that? Yes. But it's it's intent to me, especially with guys like him that seem to be going more so off of feel. Um, it's intent. Is he intending to do the right thing that the coach wants to do that is good for the team? Yes. Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, Christian Wood was great. He didn't have a great statistical night, I don't think, shooting-wise. He blew anyone out of the water, but he did a great job. Uh, I definitely saw that. And I want to shout it out. Um, Dwight was great 
Maxi was great. Yeah, there's very little criticism outside of Reggie Bullock. Yeah, I mean, last night was a rough game for um, Christian Wood shooting. I mean, I think he was two for 12 from the field, missed all of his threes. So, you know, you would have liked to see him score more points and play better on offense because I think uh, after starting the second half uh, against Milwaukee in the previous game, a lot of people thought that he was going to start in this game. Maybe that was just, uh, you know, naivety. But I think he did respond to the challenge defensively, like you said. I don't think he was getting blown by as much as we've seen in the past. I thought that he showed some more toughness on the interior. Like there was one play in the third quarter, um, towards the end of the third quarter, where Jonathan Kaminga drove. He had like four pump fakes and tried to go for a shot over Christian Wood, but Christian Wood blocked it. Um, and it allowed the Mavericks to have a transition opportunity. And I'm trying to see what happened after that. But regardless, that's kind of like the thing you like to see from Christian Wood. Um, and and hopefully, you know, we see more of that going forward. I personally don't know how much longer Christian Wood is going to be on this team. But I guess while he is, it's nice to see him having an impact on the game, even when he's not scoring. Yeah, and that was that has been my thing all season is that he has been a scorer and it, he's kind of added up to that early on in the season. But I wanted to see, because the question for him had been, how does he fare on a team that actually has aspirations of success outside of him? Um, and he's done a he's done a good job in these last few games of just building one little piece at a time he's definitely working you can tell he's working at it which is important it's the, that intangible effort and that stick to if he continues with it, it it will benefit for however long he's on this team yeah definitely i mean i think overall he's done a good job of being a team player last night i felt like he did have a few uh, moments where he took bad shots or just you know, was trying to force stuff because he was frustrated that uh, his scoring wasn't there. But overall, I don't think you can complain too much about Christian Woods, uh, you know, his participation this season. And it's been a tough year for him just with the whole thing about not getting consistent minutes, not starting games. But uh, I don't know. We've talked about that too much at this point. I think it's better to sort of talk about like how he's having an impact and really how the whole team is benefiting from it. Yeah. So we talked a lot about the individual performances in this game. Um, it was good to see them obviously bounce back as a team, but see guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. in particular have a bounce back game. What was different in this game that allowed the Mavericks to win versus their last four games that, you know, we saw a lot of bad stuff happen. And, you know, keep in mind, the Warriors have not had the greatest season in the world to this point. I mean, they were only a game better than the Mavericks coming into this one. Now both teams are 500. The Warriors are 11-11. The Mavs are 10-10. and So it's not like either of these teams are lighting the world on fire. Both <laughs> have gotten off to slow starts for various reasons. But was there anything from this game that you could take away um, as sort of like a stepping stone to future success for the Mavericks? Yeah, well, uh, I think I'll start out with the easy ones. Defense and rebounding, just bodies uh, and intensity. Um, more than that, just focus. They were focusing on their deficiencies, which, good. I mean, 
I'm glad because it would have really sucked to watch a fourth quarter where the Mavs just can't box out and they're missing defensive rebounds that are easy for no reason and just letting Poole and Kuminga get to the basket free of will. Their switches, their closeouts in the third and fourth, things were they were really great. Like I have to commend the defense of everyone in that quarter. Um, they did a yeah. really great job. Um, and even on offense, I mean, Josh Green got a layup, I think, at the last two minutes of the game that helped give some separation in those closing minutes. There was just a lot of trust, right? So on the offensive side, I think there was a more distributed effort. And on defense, everybody was focused on on what the game plan was. Uh, those are those, those are the main things just on the basics. Kenny Smith on Inside the NBA kind of said the only other thing that I thought was interesting, which is the Mavs do have this weird thing where they don't run a lot of plays for their guys to like get them easy baskets and stuff. And the more I think about it, the more true it is. And he said that that's a place where the team can grow in the future. And I agree. I think that also leads us to a point in the coaching discussion that we've had this season on this podcast to where, where is the play calling going? I think as the lineup has kind of shuffled around Tim is now in the starting lineup. And as people like Josh Green start to show that they are important rotation pieces, that there has to be more concerted efforts to play to call plays for those guys to allow them to get into a rhythm more so. Because right now we're just depending on Luca to get other guys in those positions. And yet you're coaching the movement on the floor when Luca's doing his thing. But as we saw in the second half tonight, there are moments where when Luca's off ball, everyone else around him is able to thrive just because of his gravity. So I want to see more of that as the season progresses. I think that's going to be necessary for them to beat some of these teams coming up before the All-Star break. Yeah, I think that there was a little bit more cohesion on the offensive end yesterday. And I mean, you talk about running plays and, you know, the the play that you talked about with Josh Green um, or Luca having that nice pass to Josh Green actually came off an action where Maxi Kleva set a down screen for Luca, who came up, drove in down the, the middle of the paint and then dished it out to Josh Green in the corner for the three. So, I mean, that's not really running a play for the role players, but I think that was just an, a nice action to get Luca moving off ball as opposed to the, you know, predictable Luca, you know, dribbling it at the top of the key with the high screen and then, you know, him kicking it out to a shooter. I think th- those sorts of things make a difference. Um, and yes, the Mavericks did benefit from the Warriors having a cold shooting night. I mean, I think they only shot 25% from three. Uh, but at Part the same time, the I mean, the, yeah, the, the Mavs defense was certainly better. I mean, I I think overall you could tell that they came into this game motivated, uh, probably for a variety of reasons. I think you could probably say the main reason was that they were on a four-game losing streak and you never want to lose five games in a row. Right. Uh, but also just the fact that it's against the team that they lost to in the Western Conference Finals last year. It's on national exactly. TV. Uh, you know, it's, it's at home. So I think all those factors combined – uh, just really, and they got up to a good start. I mean, they started the game twenty-three to six. Um, after that, of course, like the Warriors were able to rally, um, and you know, I think the Mavericks were only up by one point going into the f- halftime. Um, 
but again, I mean, that, that kind of fast start really helps. I mean, we hadn't seen the Mavericks get off to a good start in a while, too. And as Rick Carlisle yeah. always used to say, it's a first quarter league. So the fact that the Mavericks built that lead in the first quarter, really, you could say that that's what won them the game because it ended up being a three-point game. But having that 17-point lead in the first quarter was huge. So, uh, sure. yeah. And, you know, I, I would maybe the, disagree just in ahead, that yeah. we've seen the Mavs get up to not huge margins but in the early season especially we saw the Mavs have great first halves where they lead their opponent the entire way through and then in the third quarter they just bungle it that also didn't happen this time uh the the Mavs are one of the worst third quarter teams in the league and they beat the Warriors in the third quarter so they also came out of halftime with an added level of intensity and they stuck to the game. I think actually the last two games they've won the third quarter even against Milwaukee they outscored the Bucks in the third huh. quarter so that's two straight I, I gotta go, go back and look but I believe that's the case that would make so, sense it's good to uh, see yeah. it's a correction from, from the early season but it's good to see it come together yeah it is um, who knows maybe that's a point of emphasis for them um, but yeah I, I you know, yes, they're playing the Pistons on Thursday, but as we've seen with this team, no game is guaranteed. You can't take anything for granted. So uh, they might as well be playing the, you know, I don't know, the Phoenix Suns tomorrow for all I care. Uh, that's a must-win game. And, of course, it's the only game in the NBA tomorrow. And it's actually a game against technically Kemba Walker's former team. He was mm. traded from the Knicks to the Pistons in the offseason. Of course, never played a game for the Pistons. He was... Bought out of his contract um, in October, was a free agent until now when the Mavericks signed him. And of course, as part of that transaction, they waived Facundo Campazzo, who, I don't know, only played in five or six games for the Mavs. So obviously, Campbell Walker is a guy who, you know, at his peak was an all-star. He started two straight all-star games in 2019 and 2020. Um, you know, pretty much a legend for the Charlotte Hornets. Then he went to the Boston Celtics. And of course, everyone knows that in 2019, when he went to the Celtics, the Mavericks were also a team that was trying to get him. They were considered the favorites for the longest time to prime away from Charlotte. But at the last second, the Celtics cleared the necessary cap space to sign him. Uh, but soon after that, you know, Kemba Walker started dealing with knee injuries um, and his health uh, quickly, you know, took a turn for the worst, not like his actual health, but his, you know, his knee health. Yeah. Um, and he's never really been able to stay healthy. Played last season with the Knicks, um, averaged some career lows and was unfortunately exiled from the team midway through the year because he couldn't play defense. So that's all led us uh, to this point where Kemba Walker was a free agent until now. The Mavericks, of course, could have signed him um, back in October when they signed Facundo Campazzo, but they ended up not doing so. Clearly, the happenings of the season uh, with the lack of ball handling and shot creation uh, forced them to turn to Kemba Walker. So I don't have tremendously high expectations for him, but it's certainly an upgrade over Campazzo, I would say. Yeah, uh, just not having to dribble the ball for half the shot clock in order to find a passing lane is pretty big. I mean, no offense to Faku. Faku seems like a, a good teammate from everything that everyone has said about him um, in both of these years. But as far as uh, net negative on defense, I don't know if you can get 
much worse than Facundo Campazzo was in a short stint for the Mavs this year or even how he was last year for the Nuggets. So for however forever or however many games Kemba Walker can play in a Mavericks uniform and however many minutes he can play in those games, I expect that the difference is going to be negligible to maybe even uh, a sight for sore eyes. Um, that being said, you're right, Jay. I think it's odd because nobody likes being the second choice uh, in the case of Kemba Walker, but with his health history, it makes sense that the Mavericks didn't go to his door first, considering that it's a question mark whether he's going to even be healthy and able to be consistent for the Mavs past a non-guaranteed temper or non-guaranteed short-term contract. So I'm not sure what his contract details are in this situation, but as long as he can bolster an effort while the Mavs ascertain how ready Jaden Hardy is uh, compared to the NBA level of guards, because of course they pulled him back up as well, I think he can give the Mavs some important minutes and have maybe even a few games where he kind of looks like he's turning back the clock a little bit. Not necessarily because he is, but because the Mavericks are a very weird like anomaly of a space where there isn't a ton of play calling and he can kind of play in his rhythm around other guys that have defined roles. I think that's kind of the perfect place for him to be. In New York last year, there was a lot of flux and we are still seeing that this year where the young guys were kind of showing the coaching staff how how consistent they could be and whether they can be potential leaders in the future for this team, guys like RJ Barrett, stuff like that. Um, and that's why there were certain trades made in the offseason. And so I, I just feel like that Knicks team isn't necessarily a great... Uh, they are their own unique stew. Um, and I'm not going to necessarily judge Kemba harshly based off of what was going on on that roster outside of him last year. I am quietly optimistic for him just because of fit. Yeah, I am too. Um, I mean, we have no choice but to be optimistic. Um, I think, again, he brings an element to this roster that sorely lacks as a guy who can you know, create. He's a savvy vet and has proven that he can do it in this league. He can score at all three levels. And so, you know, I think from that perspective, he adds a lot to this team. And I expect him to have a consistent role unlike Compazzo. I don't think it's going to be a huge role. I think maybe 15 minutes a game is what we can realistically expect from him. And, you know, if he can hit two threes a game, I think that's probably exceeding expectations for me. Um, because he's been a shooter in his career. That's what he does really well. And I suppose... If the Mavericks do need a bucket, he's a guy who can get one. Uh, they don't have too many guys who can get their own bucket on this team. Um, and that's kind of what they miss with Brunson. So um, in terms of that, he's someone that could be relied on. Of course, health is the biggest question. Um, and we're not quite sure when he'll be in game shape, but hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Right. I mean, you mentioning that about Jalen Brunson made me remember Spencer Dinwiddie got ejected from the Warriors game, which was a whole other thing, but he had a great game as well. So quick shout out to him. Yeah. And Woody has been a huge part of this team this year, as we've said, I mean, la yesterday he couldn't hit his threes, but you know, he had a lot of good drives to the basket. Um, 
and some had hit some big shots when the Mavericks needed offense. So uh, he had a great game. That flagrant two was honestly BS. Uh, yeah, maybe you could say it's a flagrant too. one. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. flagrant no, one he, was what that was, yeah. right? It wasn't intentional. If that, if that, there was, it was not intentional. But I could see flagrant one. Flagrant two was just way too far. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But yeah, no, he That's also made. I mean, he wowed me with a couple of those passes in the second and third quarter. Uh, Dinwiddie did, but it's great that the Mavs won in spite of his ejection in the fourth. So, yeah, I was worried when that happened. Yeah, but. I think that just speaks to Josh Green and the kind of game he had yesterday. Uh, yeah. And of course, Luca had that big turnaround uh, mid-range shot in the fourth quarter, which I think kind of staved off uh, the momentum that the Warriors had been building towards the end of the game. Um, and I right. think that really propelled the Mavs to the to the win. Agreed. Agreed. Um, looking forward to tomorrow night, seeing how Spencer definitely comes back and how he plays maybe with a little chip on his shoulder. Just a little little tiny chip on his shoulder. I do like watching Spencer Dinwiddie play a lot. Uh, definitely one of my favorite Mavs to just watch size up a guy and get to the basket. Yeah, I love watching Dinwiddie, and I think he's a great fit um, for this team. Certainly has really restored his value, I would say, compared to where he was last year. He was a guy that... A lot of people felt was untradeable, um, had negative value, but uh, to his credit, he's really put together a good stretch of games with the Mavs, and um, you know, not, not even from a trade perspective, he's a really valuable team player to this team right now. And so, I just love watching him. Like you said, he adds a nice uh, element uh, that they don't really have elsewhere. So, right. shout out to Dinwiddie, shout out to Josh Green. Kemba Walker, Jaden Hardy. Kemba Walker, the last, yeah. The last thing I'll say is, I mean, the Mavs chose a good time, even if they don't give Jaden Hardy any significant playing time. Pulling him back up while they have Kemba out there, I think will help Jaden kind of like learn through osmosis just by playing next to a guy who was pretty big in the league, was a star in the league, um, and is now at a different point in his career. I, I think he'll be able to learn a lot. And we saw a little bit in the video that they were defending each other in the practice or in their scrimmages. So, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that there is a great intangible reason yeah. why the Mavs have responded to that four-game losing streak and their early season struggles in this way. And I'm cautiously optimistic that they're positioning all of their pieces in a way that could really benefit them around the midway point of the season. Hopefully. And I'm, that's a good point about Kemba that I think um, we didn't talk about, but just from an intangibles perspective, like being a good teammate uh, everywhere he's played. I mean, you know, the guys have loved him. He's pretty well-respected throughout the league being, you know, a New York City point guard legend. Um, and so I think from that perspective, he's going to be great for this team. He's going to be a steadying presence whenever he's on the floor as a guy who's been there and done it uh, in many big situations. I think that's going to be huge uh, whenever he's on the floor. And then also like, you know, mentoring guys like Jaden Hardy uh, will be big as well because, you know, I think it's just always great for a young point guard to be able to look up to a guy who's now what an 11 year veteran um, 
in the league and just learn from him every single day. So that's going to be big too. Yeah. Cool. That's about everything. I think I, I hit, yeah, I think I hit all my points on this one. Nice, efficient episode, like Josh Green shooting last night. Hell yeah, like Josh Green shooting this season. Yeah, this season. But yeah, cool, Rohan. It's a great episode. Thanks for joining me for this. Of course. And yeah, we'll be looking forward to tomorrow's game. Hopefully, the Mavericks can build upon the good stuff that happened against the Warriors and. Can maybe win a regular game for perhaps the first time this season. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's uh, that that may be asking a lot, but we'll see. I mean, it is all eyes on the Mavs tomorrow, which, as history serves, the Mavs are kind of 50 50 on nationally televised or kind of mainstream games. So uh, I don't know about that one. I think we might be jinxed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't care about style points. I think I will I will take the win any way we can get it, even if it's against a cellar dweller like the Pistons. It doesn't matter at this point. What matters is getting the wins. So hey, the Pistons beat the Nuggets That's what recently, I'm ho- man. hoping for. Like, they're, they're quite, they kind of outperform expectations in a lot of their games. Like, this, the box scores don't necessarily show you the entire story. They have a lot of pieces that can do very well on a given night. And given the Mavs' (laughs) defensive and rebounding woes, I'm not necessarily confident that the Mavs can make it hard on the Pistons. Um, (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see. Isaiah Stewart is a player that's given them problems in the past, especially on the rebounding end. I mean, they also have Bogdanovich. Yeah, they do. Who's historically been really good against the Mavericks. So we'll see. But if the Mavericks are the team that we want them to be, they will win the game tomorrow. If they're the same team that won that game against the Warriors, they will be. But <laughs> there's no guarantees in this <laughs> in the NBA. No guarantees. No guarantees at all. But there is a guarantee that we'll be back with another episode, probably Sunday afternoon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds good. All right, Rowan, thanks again. If you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us at Mavs Film Room. Subscribe to our feeds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you happen to have us as your number one listen podcast of the year, DM me. I'll, I'll send you a hundred bucks. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure uh, that there's nobody who listens to us more than another podcast. <laughs> uh yeah i mean that i agree with you on that latter statement but for legal reasons i must say that is not a contract okay you can't you can't play that clip for the podcast and say that it's a contract and that you're owed hundred dollars you can't do that just yeah good legal disclaimer this is uh this is just a generous offer yep i'm making for for publicity but it is not I, I I reserve the right to go back on it, basically. Exactly, exactly. All right. Yeah. yeah. See you all Sunday. <laughs>